very special episode of Wizards Half. Yes, these are the mini episodes where I usually get into the nitty-gritty details about all the things that we missed in the main episode. Uh, but here's what's going on. You might notice my audio sounds a little strange. I have a completely new setup here because I have a completely new device I'm having to use in the interim since my computer crapped out. Yes, the computer that I have been recording the podcast on since the beginning uh, finally crapped out on me. Uh, this whole deal with the hard drive. Uh, I only had four gigabytes of RAM, it turns out. And uh, Michael is uh, going to be helping me out and trying to save all the data and past episodes and things that we had saved on that computer. Uh, but also, uh, he is going to be helping me get a better computer with much more memory and storage so that we don't run into this problem again. Guys, I'm living in the 90s. As far as I know, this could just be a 486 computer or, wow, a Pentium processor, you know? I'm not all up and up on these types of things. Michael is Mr. Technology. Uh, so yeah, I should have taken his advice long ago, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. This is going to be an edition of Wizards Half that I'm calling Unplugged, uh, meaning I do not have my mic plugged in. I do not really have the uh, the standard organization uh, that I'm used to. So you're going to get a little bit more raw Adam in all of this. You know, it's no Eddie Murphy raw, but hey, hopefully we bring you some fun. So as always, though, it's time that we get into Cap's Kooky Contests. There are plenty of contests in this issue. The first one here, you might remember a while ago, we were talking about Matrix comics. We were posting on social media these ads, DC's new science fiction imprint, Matrix, which they very quickly changed to Helix because they had a Matrix film in development, which is kind of crazy to me that the, this, you know, the movie wing of the Warner Brothers empire would influence so heavily the comic book wing. But this one is called A Glimpse of the Future Contest. And it says, the 21st century is here. In DC Comics' new Helix imprint, the all-new sci-fi line has lifted off with a bevy of future-oriented titles, and if you're sharp enough to understand the future, you just might be able to go there today. So how to play. No time machine necessary. Just check out the first two issues, uh, that'll be number one and two, of the following Helix titles and look for the wizard t-shirt hidden somewhere in the art. Tell us which Helix title and what issue you saw it in. That's it. Whoa. Okay, so now I got to track down these issues. See, this is, I was not expecting there to be actual, you know, wizard logo paraphernalia. The hidden future wizard t-shirt could be in Bloody Mary, where an assassin dressed as a nun seeks revenge on those who killed her friends by Garth Ennis and Carlos Esquera. A Cyberella, 
when 20-year-old Sonny Winston doesn't quite fit into the corporate-run world, the corporation strikes back by Howard Jacob and Don Cameron. Gemini Blood, which was the one that interested me the most when we were talking about these, where the brilliant sidekick uh, Nick takes on a dual-body, genetically-engineered assassin in San Francisco by Christopher Hintz and Tommy Lee Edwards, and finally Vermilion, where the entire universe is one urban sprawl, the city of Vermilion. One man, Jonathan Cave, knows its secrets by Lucia Shepard and Al Davison. So I have two ways to go about this, right, to find out which issues I want. I either have to go and find them, you know, in the dark web of comics, the free online comics world, and just see if I can uh, get a look and locate it, or I wait until the results are printed in Wizard Magazine in a later issue. So we shall see how that works out here. Now, the prizes, if you're able to find the Wizard t-shirt hidden in these issues, grand prize, one reader will become a guest in the future today by being put on DC's advanced black and white preview list for one year. That means you'll receive all sorts of behind the scenes advanced sneak peeks at upcoming DC projects. Be in with the in crowd. See stuff that usually only Craig Shutt gets to see. The grand prize winner will also receive the Helix Point of Purchase Kit, chock full of posters and other nifty neat goodies, and all Helix number one issues shipped through October 1996. Now that is pretty cool. Whether or not the Helix line actually took off and was popular enough to warrant any of that being exciting to somebody, at the time that would have been pretty neat. At the very least, once Helix folded, you would get all these black and white preview issues and you could send in your letters and get them printed in a first issue of a new series from DC. Now, the second prize, 10 readers will receive the Helix point of purchase kit and all Helix number one issues shipped through October 1996. So very interesting there. Uh, But let's get into the legalese here. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, DC Comics, and their immediate families, or Jules Verne. You know, He's got that time machine. It just wouldn't be fair. But I don't think Jules, I mean, Jules Verne saw into the future of things that might occur with his imagination, but the time machine story was going back in time, right? So I don't think that quite works. But maybe I just don't remember that story well enough, and at some point it does go into the future, or was that the twist ending? Is that where Planet of the Apes stole it from? I am not well-read enough. Somebody clear it up for me here. (laughs) All right, so let's get into our second little bit here. Offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Let's do the time warp again. Woo! Got some Rocky Horror fans out there. I uh, literally had that song in my head this morning because I was reading on IMDb trivia about the movie Dark City that Richard O'Brien, who plays the hunchback dude in that, was in. And some of his co-stars apparently were so excited by the fact that he was from Rocky Horror Picture Show because they were huge fans and they would ask him to tell stories from that set. So all of a sudden I had the time warp in my head as a result of that. Very strange coincidence here. All right, on to the next contest. Okay, so the next one here is Homage Comics Presents the Life in the Big City Contest. This is an Astro City theme contest in case you couldn't put the pieces together yet. It says, Ever dream about what life is like in the big city? No, not New York or Chicago or L.A., but the only big city that matters, Astro City. Well, here's your chance to use your imagination and show us your dreams of the big city. We want you to draw us a slice of ordinary, everyday life at Astro City. 
disastrous city have a football team? Show us what their uniform and logo look like. Or how about the Astro City newsstands? What's on their magazine covers? What kind of TV shows do they have that we don't? What movie posters are around town? You get the idea. Now go with it and send in an entry. Do a good job and you just might win those dreamy prizes. So the grand prize, one lucky reader whose entry is judged the best will receive Alex Ross's original character concept sketch of Astro City hero Jack in the Box and the homage comics hardcover edition of Life in the Big City, signed by creator and writer Kurt Busiek, series artist Brent Anderson, and designer cover artist Alex Ross. Wow. And Alex Ross original and for one of the most popular characters in Astro City. That's pretty awesome. Uh, second prize, 10 other readers with imaginative entries will get an Astro City t-shirt suitable for wearing. Well, I should hope so. <laughs> Although, I guess that depends on size, right? Because uh, much like comic book guy has, they should know that no average Star Trek fan has need of a medium-sized belt. I think that's what it was. Anything. Right, let's get into this third prize. 25 other readers whose entries are still pretty keen will each get a copy of the new homage comics, Kurt Busiek's Astro City Number 1, signed by writer Visionary Kurt Busiek. So that's interesting. They're giving him all sorts of titles in here. So this month's contest is sponsored by Homage Comics, the new home for quality creator-owned comics. Oh, they usually just say, who we think are swell, blah, blah, blah. But there you go. They are just doing the full deal. Let's look at the civic legal statute. <laughs> Uh, contest open to anyone except the plays of Wizard Press, Homage Comics, and their immediate families, or that rat fink guy who saw Jack in the Box when he was changing his clothes. Oh, yes. Do you remember that issue? It was pretty cool. Really, all the Jack in the Box issues of Astro City are pretty fantastic. All right, next one here. Offer void for prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Oh, when that shark bites with his teeth, dear. Oh, he leaves them pearly white. What? Again, sometimes they just drop in these like song lyrics or weird rhymes that I've never heard of. So there you go. We will find out who has that. I mean, it'd be awesome to see if you guys are really tapped into the world of original art out there. Share with us if you find a screen capture or something of somebody who has sold this Jack in the Box sketch recently, because that would just be really awesome to see. The last main contest here, Harris Comics presents the in the studio contest. Picture this. There you are, a struggling artist. You're sitting in art class, sketchbook and pencil in hand, waiting for the class's live model of the day to walk in. And here she comes, Vampirella. Imagine getting the chance to draw Vampirella herself. Okay, quit imagining you'd get drawing, because you just might get your chance. Now, how am I going to do that? If you think you're up to the challenge, draw Vampirella. We, we don't want any comic-y type drawing. Draw your best realistic, lifelike picture of Vampirella and send it in. Use inks, pencils, or whatever medium you want. The best artist, as judged by our Harris Comics buddies, will get a chance to draw the real vampy. Next up here, the booty. Might be a double entendre there. Says here, grand prize. One lucky reader will get to hang out with Harris Comics' real-life Vampirella model and some Harris artists for a studio session to draw Vampirella. And the winner's drawing will be printed as a pinup in an upcoming issue of Vengeance of Vampirella. But wait, that's not all. You'll also get a copy of Vengeance of Vampirella number 25, the limited gold foil edition, and a copy of the Vampirella Death and Destruction limited preview ash cam. And both will be signed by artists Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. 
And there is a picture of Jimmy and Amanda here. It says, Amanda persuades Jimmy into seeing things her way. And she's like, got him by the hair and got a fist ready to smack him. <laughs> and he's just got a little smirk like, eh. Even if you're a schlub, you might win one of our swell runner-up deals. Second prize, 10 other readers whose art is still pretty damn good. We'll each receive a copy of Vengeance of Vampirella number 25, limited gold foil edition, signed by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Third prize, 20 readers who still make the grade will each receive a copy of the Vampirella Death and Destruction limited preview ash can signed by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. And then we actually have Vampirella here. Deadline is September 30th, 1996, so sharpen your pencils. This month's contest is sponsored by Harris Comics, and we think they're real swell. See, that's their standard. That's what they normally do. All right, now the thing I want to say about this is you know talking about the live models and stuff maybe the reason i wasn't super into like the bad girl craze aside for being you know embarrassed or ashamed or whatever <laughs> and also just the stories didn't seem like they would interest me but my mom is an artist and she has been just all her life and so she is like graduated from college with an art degree and so she went back to college when i was in like you know sixth grade junior high era and so she just constantly was bringing home her big sketch pads with live nude model sketches you know men and women but you know so i just grew up with naked women everywhere and so it's never been a thing that has been like the most titillating just to see a nude person a nude woman like uh just not not a thing where i'm just like oh yeah but um, I just find it interesting here because, you know, they're talking about that setup of your in an art class and you get your live model coming in. I think what I would have done had I known about this contest and had any interest in winning it, which I wouldn't have at the time, I just would have had my mom draw a vampirella or paint a vampirella or whatever medium she's going to use her, you know, her watercolors or her oil pastels. And then I would just send that in and say it was mine. You know, <laughs> it's like, I'm related. Cause she had like Boris Vallejo books and stuff. So I used to flip through those and be like, Oh, I've seen that guy's art in comic things, or at least in wizard. So anyway, all right, let's get to our legal studio text. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Harris Comics, their immediate families, or Bram Stoker. Seems like he would, you know, have an unfair advantage here. All right. Offer void. We're prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Boy, don't you think that poor model will be a bit chilly in that funky costume getup? And yeah, those studios, I should ask my mom. I was like, did they focus on the heating there? I mean, it was California, so most things were pretty uh warm you know you were dealing with snowy weather but anyway those are the uh contests that were new for this issue but of course it's always fun to do some follow-up with past contests and the first one here was for a she haiku contest and the winner was melissa neff uh from england actually this is the haiku it's not anything fantastic or shocking it just says a great warrior her sword swift her spirit strong the legend is made. So there you go. It's just classy. They liked it. Uh, and then the other one here uh, that I thought was interesting is there was the Phoenix Aftermath contest where you had to answer some trivia. So there's somebody who won uh, that contest. But then also there was a white zombie contest that really had nothing to do with comics at all. It's just like, hey, they're a cool band. And so the person who won that was Tobias Caballero of Denver, Colorado. 
So I'm just very curious because I know that you got like some original Rob Zombie art as part of that contest. So who won the prize in the long run? Did he hang on to it? Did he sell it at some point? Is it up on his wall still? Is it in the bathroom? So many options there. But uh, hey, let's get into our next segment. Yes, it's time for Robin's Reading Rainbow. All right, so you guys might recall that during our interview with Ron Mars on The Wizard Files, if you haven't checked that out, definitely go back. It was a great conversation. I asked him a lot of questions about the DC Marvel All Access miniseries, which was the follow-up to Amalgam and previously before that, the DC versus Marvel, Marvel versus DC crossover event. And so I teased that on the main episode that I was going to be covering that series, and I am ready to get into it now. Just as I mentioned, this is one of my favorite things. I just, I love this series. I've read it many times. It's just super entertaining. And it happens to also, uh, one of the things that Ron mentioned was that the artist on this was Jackson Geis. So I'm trying to remember if he was Jackson at this point or if he was Butch. I think he was Butch at this point. Uh, But either way, this is something where I was a big fan of his work in a future series that I will be covering on a mini episode called Resurrection Man. He was the artist for that. So I didn't realize that he had done this. I never put two and two together until Ron mentioned it. But what we're dealing with here is this guy named Axel Asher, who in the DC Marvel series was the, he said he was created from shards of both universes. And so he was able to travel between, there was like this other guy who was previously that, and he was like, looked like a bum in the street that he's like, hey, you have to learn your destiny. You have to take on this responsibility, blah, blah, blah. So that is where we're picking up here that Amalgam is over. You know, the issue four of DC versus Marvel happened and the universes were separated again. But now you have Axel meeting up with his girlfriend Ming at her parents' restaurant. Uh, but as they're talking, all of a sudden he goes, Gah, this has never happened before. And he goes, my mind flooding with visions of what happened. Two universes, two cosmic beings who embody those universes. Heroes from each universe pitted against each other. The fate of everything resting on the outcomes. Only one universe was supposed to survive. So you got this big double splash page in the middle. You have Superman punching Hulk and all this stuff going on, all the different showdowns that took place in DC versus Marvel. But it was neither and both. An amalgam of both universes was created. And I carried the key to setting things right. The universes went back to normal. No one else remembers that amalgam ever existed. But something's wrong now. So what is happening is he spills this pot of tea after he has this vision and in it he sees the venom symbiote like as if the entire spill is the venom symbiote so he basically kind of makes up an excuse that he has to run away and check something out you know so there he is and he transforms into his access costume because that is his superhero name he says guess you'd kind of call me a cosmic hall monitor but i prefer access I don't have any real superpowers. I can't fly, no x-ray vision. But what I can do is transport from one place to another, including for this universe, that he opens up a glowing doorway to the other one. Now, the one thing I want to say real quick, he was obviously in the uh, Marvel universe because behind him in an alleyway where he's changing is a Howard the Duck poster where he's wearing like an Uncle Sam, like Star Spangled top hat. 
but it also says Foom. And if you don't remember Foom, it's Friends of Old Marvel. But that was, I believe, also a fanzine that Marvel put out like in the 70s. So that was like just a real deep cut that I thought was kind of a fun Easter egg that they put in there. Uh, but anyway, they when you cross over now, there is Venom attacking a bunch of people. And he, and he says, I said, I want to know where we are, what we're doing here, and who the hell this Superman is. <laughs> so he's at the Superman memorial of some sort. There's a statue that he has just destroyed with one swipe. And he captures this girl who, you know, she's a very attractively drawn woman. So he basically is there, you know, taunting her. And next thing you know, access has come through his portal but then he sees this whoosh just this blue flash that goes past him and you see that it was superman going to save the day and attack venom okay so he says not from around here are you normally metropolis welcomes out of towners but in this case we'll make an exception so they have a battle and you know superman gets some webbing on his face and gets kind of throw it around the city but basically you see that venom is not happy when uh, superman says your costume reminds me of someone i've met recently but you're obviously not a hero like spider-man spider-man don't ever mention that name to me you know he just freaks out we are venom so all of that is happening and then access shows up and he says, this isn't a place for bystanding, son. There's a serious threat on the loose. Lives are in danger. I know. I came to help. I can fix it all. I appreciate the offer. But this business is best left to heroes. So this is kind of the arc that Access is going to go through throughout this miniseries is, is he a hero? Is he of any use to anybody? You know, like, it's just kind of like, I have this power to go back and forth. But what good is that? And will I use it for good? But he rescues the woman that Venom was taunting and Superman and Venom, you know, kind of hash it out a little bit more. I will mention in Jackson Geis's version of Venom, it's much more reminiscent of the early Todd McFarlane version before the huge tongue, before the gaping jaws, you know, and all of that. It's just literally like a buff dude in the black costume with a little bit of jagged teeth and stuff on it. So I just think that's interesting that maybe that's just, just his style. He didn't like to do extreme exaggerated character models or anything like that. So that fight is going on. But the strange thing, I don't understand why this is in the story, but when Access saves this girl and he takes her through the portal. She's like, I'm great is what I am. That was so cool. That monster could have killed me. And you just zapped me, zapped in and snatched me away. And so then she basically kind of comes on to him and invites him, you know, on a date and all this stuff. And he's just like, first off, the guy with the teeth isn't supposed to be here. And I have to take it back to the place he belongs. And I'm, boy, who I am is a long story. And, uh, and he's like, but she's like, I've got time. Wish I did. Sorry, but I need to get my hands on Venom. So he kind of makes an excuse, but it's strange because it seems like he's considering it. And he does mention it later that maybe he would go out with her. I'm like, you have a girlfriend back in the Marvel Universe. What is this? You know? Uh, so anyway, so that's strange. So the final way that Venom is subdued, basically, because he just kind of shoots the symbiote on to Superman and he can't breathe. He's gagging is that Access goes and grabs Spider-Man and brings him in. So now you have a great team-up once again between 
Peter Parker Spider-Man and Superman. Because if you'll recall, in the DC versus Marvel, Ben Riley was Spider-Man at that time. And so it was a different costume and everything. So you're back to the classic, like the previous two team-ups they had done way back when, late 70s, early 80s. And you get a very nice dual-page splash of the two heroes over Metropolis. It is, so it looks pretty cool. As far as the final battle, like what does Spidey bring to the mix? Basically just taunting Venom and putting him off his game. And ultimately, Access just gets the sonic blaster that always beats Venom. And he appears and he is the one who helps both of them. And he says, so Superman says, we're supposed to be the ones with the nick of time rescues. I thought we agreed you were going to turn that over to me and not put yourself in the danger zone. Well, uh, you guys look kind of busy. Don't worry about it, kid. You did great. Thanks. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So Superman's a little bit more, you know, the serious one. And Spider-Man's like, hey, bud, you're doing an okay job. So at that point, uh, they say their goodbyes and access takes spider-man back with with him you know i i just think that that is a great way you just get a full straight team up right they're teaming up fighting one of their villains it is just no fuss no muss, no misunderstanding where they battle each other just superman and spider-man back at it and then you see spider-man take venom away uh you know he's gonna go back into prison of course uh so but at the very end of the issue you have kind of a prologue and you just see Doctor Strange in his sanctum sanctorum saying, it begins. And he looks very ominous. So what does Doctor Strange have to do with all this? We're about to find out. All right, now issue two is probably my favorite in this because on the cover, we have Robin and Jubilee swinging through the city. And if you'll recall, in DC versus Marvel, they were pitted against each other, Right. But really, there was just more of an attraction, and they were pretty interested in each other. And then Jubilee was kind of sad she had to go back to her universe. This issue, it's like a day or two later, Axel is on a date with Ming, his girlfriend, and they're having a horse-drawn carriage ride. But all of a sudden, Jubilee shows up just as they're about to kiss, and she's like, it's you! I never thought I'd see you again! And so Ming gets super jealous, because Ming is an Asian-American girl jubilee asian american girl so you can kind of see that oh is that his type is that what he's interested in so basically she kicks him out and she just takes off without him and uh jubilee <laughs> has to apologize he's like thanks thanks a lot geez cut me a little slack all i did was say hi yeah well my relationship's shaky enough without you causing me more grief what are you doing here anyway and so she says i want to go back to gotham and i want to see robin again okay <laughs> so she says here like i am speaking english here it's simple i want to go back i want to see robin again but that whole contest or whatever was over i didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to him so it's he's, she's saying like so how about it you can't do it yeah i can do it but that doesn't mean i'm going to come on why not you know so she just pesters him enough until he agrees to do it, which is interesting, right? It's just like teenager wants to have a date. So he says, fine, and he takes her. And you see Robin is perched, the bat signals in the sky, there's lightning and rain and everything. And all of a sudden a portal opens up. He's like, huh? And she just jumps through, Robin, Jubilee, what are you doing in Gotham? 
what am I doing in Gotham? I came to see you, obviously. <laughs> you know, so it's just this whole night where she basically just tells Axel to buzz off. She's like, look, can we have a little privacy, please? And they just go off on a little date and he's just supposed to hang around. So he's kind of uh, a little bitter and he's just kind of complaining. He's like, so I just sit here in the rain the whole time, you know, like he, he just kind of is wondering what he's worth. But there in the alleyway, all of a sudden you see this gloved hand holding a gun raised to the sky and when some lightning and thunder crashes so axel is also crashed to the ground because he gets bonked in the head with it and knocked out you're kind of like what what just happened we will find out so you see jubilee and robin talking to each other so she's like so this would be like the ultimate long distance relationship huh well um to tell you the truth i sort of already have a girlfriend her name's ari already have so she hadn't even considered right that that ari and robin would be a thing that ari even existed but if you've been reading the regular robin ongoing series you know that is a very real relationship so the conversation though is interrupted by two-face who shows up and uh, now they have to team up to battle him and so uh jubilee not usually dealing with guns but uh at least it doesn't seem that way right doesn't in x-men comics doesn't it always feel like it's blasters and restraints and stuff but maybe i must not read enough x-men comics but they take off and they run and jump off a roof robin's like get ready to jump jump oh you cannot be serious i do this all the time trust me you do this all the time i don't do this all the time hold on you know, so they just fly down to a lower uh, rooftop there. So anyway, they, they start having a conversation about like, okay, what can we do? Robin's trying to get her just to stay put. She's like, I'm not completely defenseless, you know. And so they decide to team up. They're going to defeat Two-Face. How are they going to do it? Well, you see that he uh, approaches them. Actually, I'm trying to see, how do they get his attention here? So there's a giant coin that is in a window display. It's for some reason he goes over there. Maybe they moved it or they turned on the lights or something. That's not super clear. Uh, but you see a silhouette of what looks like Robin holding his bow staff in front of it. And then uh, he is flipping his coin. And of course it is the crossed outside. So whoever this Robin is, is supposed to die. Uh, but he gets closer and sees uh not you're not him nope a trick another one of his tricks so basically she was posing as robin and he sneaks up behind two-face and kicks him and he says this time i won't miss you no more doubles no more tricks just the two of us this time robin dies you know so next uh jubilee manages to kick his legs out from under him and you see that two-face crashes back into the where the coin is or the picture of the coin on stained glass. That might be what it was. It was just stained glass. Uh, but it looks like he's getting zapped because he's got these like uh, blue, like lightning shards shooting out of him. But anyway, uh, this is kind of funny. She's like, we we actually did it? Uh, Robin says, we, we actually did it? We took out Two-Face? This is big. Batman's going to be... <laughs> and then you see Axis show up, guys. Uh, and so he's basically, he was knocked out the whole time. He wasn't there to help. They were on their own. But then he goes, well, let's get you back to where you're supposed to be before anything else happens. What? Now? This hasn't exactly been quality time here, you know. It's not my fault we ran into some psycho. So why are you coming down on me? 
you see this big green spiked tail come down. Look out! No one is safe. Don't even bother. No one escapes the sting of the scorpion. So all of a sudden, the scorpion is in the mix here. But that is the end of the issue. So, but that was a fun adventure. I just, I like the whole like teen romance angle, but they're both superheroes. So they both have to team up and all that kind of stuff. So now where are we at? Well, we have the scorpion. Remember, the scorpion is not supposed to be there because they are in Gotham. They're not in New York. And plus the fact that why was Venom in Metropolis? That is the thing, right? What We don't know what's going on. Why are the universes crossing over again? But the good news is that if one, uh, you know, bad guy is, is there that isn't supposed to be there, eh, somebody's probably going to get wind of it. And that is Batman. So just as they're being attacked in issue number three, he busts in and gives a big old boot to the face of the scorpion. And so this is really interesting. He says, one chance to surrender now. Surrender! Surrender! Who do you think I am? The scorpion doesn't surrender to anyone. You want a white flag? Try this instead. And, you know, swipes the ground up from under him, shoots some acid from his tail. And so Batman just says, you had the opportunity. And then just he hits him in the head with a battering that just kind of stuns him. Then one punch and scorpion is out. Uh, (laughs) Batman just says, Robin, explain. Well, from the beginning? So anyway, he just recounts everything that happened in the last episode uh, issue, if you will. So Access starts explaining like, hey, this is happening all over. This isn't a one-time deal. But this is really interesting how he gets Batman hooked here. He says, he said, well, actually, this is interesting. He says, uh, it's not the first time something like this has happened. Somebody crossing universes. A creature named Venom showed up in Metropolis. And Batman goes, I am aware of who Venom is. I'm getting better at this, see? I can send the Scorpion back where he's supposed to be. But it's only a temporary solution. I need to know what's hap- whatever's happening or why whatever's happening is happening. I wish you luck. Hey, wait. And so he says, he talks about Superman and Spider-Man. Batman's like, they're better equipped to handle all that stuff. And he's like, yeah, those guys are powerhouses. But what I really need is someone to help me figure out what's going on and why. What I really need is a detective. So Batman takes a minute to think. And it's just super dramatic. You know, there's like lightning behind him and the thunder. And he says, yes, I'll go. You know, so then, of course, now uh, Jubilee is going to have to say goodbye to Robin. So she's harumphing about it you know she is uh, definitely pouting uh so but they have to take off so they say their goodbyes she gives him one kiss and the little flourish here like this, this jackson geis or ron or who ron mars whoever wrote this uh likes to put these little easter eggs in as they kiss in the alley this little paper kind of flies away and you see that it is a poster for a production from the gotham city playhouse presents william shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. So there they are. It's not exactly Romeo and Juliet, but they are two star-crossed lovers, and they uh, are two universe-crossed lovers who unfortunately cannot be. Uh, So anyway, Batman and Jubilee uh, head out with access to the Marvel Universe. What's really interesting is the first thing they see, though, Batman looks down and he's like, Catwoman? Here? And then he sees, nope, it's Black Cat <laughs> because it's Marvel's New York City. So that's, again, just a fun little Easter egg. You'd love to see those quick crossovers. So uh, Access basically says that he remembers that the troublemaker in the Evolgum universe was Dr. Strange Fate. 
and that he was the one who wanted to keep the universes together for those of you who had not read Amalgam. So he was the one who kind of had to be defeated in order for everything to go back to normal. So he takes Batman to see Doctor Strange, but for some reason, Batman crashes through the iconic skylight of the Sanctum Sanctorum, and, <laughs> and then you just have access in his uh, saying, and I'll say this for him, he sure knows how to make an entrance. <laughs> so, of course, Dr. Strange is not happy about this. He says, why do you invade my sanctum? I'm Batman, and I'm here because you threaten this entire universe as well as my own. Threaten? Two universes? Impossible. A minute to explain yourself, intruder. No more. So then Access tries to, you know, sort it all out between them. And uh, what they're saying is, you might not even be aware of what's happening. It could be, you know, a subconscious sort of thing, Dr. Strange says, unlikely. So anyway, he kind of explains, like, now my eye of Agamotto would alert me to those things. So he's telling him, ah, these are unfounded concerns. Don't worry about it. And then you see uh, all of a sudden, though, coming through a portal, they, you see it says, boy, I thought we got here fast. Looks like you beat us. And so it is Jubilee with the X-Men. Now, I don't understand. It looks like they came in through a portal of some sort because it's this orange glow off screen, but they don't have a like way to teleport, do they? Like, that's not a regular X-Men thing. I know they had this one guy who would teleport them around like in the 80s and early 90s, right? But he wasn't a part of this team at this point. So now the X-Men are there. So the X-Men are there basically to defend Doctor Strange. Like, Jubilee had the same idea that maybe he's the one to go to. But Batman is kind of threatening him. And so Stephen, you have Cyclops saying, Stephen Strange is a proven friend of the X-Men, one of our universe's most trusted defenders. And Dr. Strange says, so I've been trying to tell them. Anyway, so Batman is uh, kind of not buying it. But he says, you know what, Jean Grey, why don't you do a mind probe? And Dr. Strange agrees, because again, if it's subconscious, maybe you'll find it. But she finds nothing, so they're off the hook. And then Access says, but I was so sure it all fit. Everything pointed to him. This isn't right. There has to be something else. How we missed it. And then Cyclops says, my wife's opinion is good enough for me. Now you have some two tough guys facing off because you have you have the Bishop mad-dogging Batman. And he says, I think you and the kid had better be moving on. Dr. Strange isn't going anywhere. I'm afraid that won't do. Not if Access still has doubts. I can persuade you, pointy ears. I really doubt that, but you're welcome to try. You asked. And so they get into a fist fight, which then erupts into a full-on fight because Cyclops then blasts Batman. But Batman is holding his own against everybody. Like, he is literally, like, dodging and managing, you know, to use their powers against them. You know, people like Cannonball, who's kind of always not quite as sure of himself anyway. But Access is like, oh, crap. You know? <laughs> so he takes off through a portal. He comes back. And who does he bring with him? The Justice League. And you just have everybody looking intense and Superman saying, let him go now. Boy, this should be interesting. <laughs> oh, Access, what were you doing? Now the exciting conclusion. Yes, DC Marvel All Access issue four, of course, opens with a a uh, wonderful double splash page of Bishop pointing some laser blasters at Batman. The fun thing about this is uh, 
if you look at the bottom of the page, because it's a mystical sanctum, right? There's actually this book that got knocked down. And then there's these two little naked fairies. One is all blue, one is all purple, one is all green, one is all purple. So it's just kind of funny, like that they knock some fairies loose in the battle. Access says, uh, and for the most part, it's supposed to be a closed doorway. My job is to keep the universe separate. But just now, it's not working out like that. If anything, I've made matters worse. So yes, the Justice League and the X-Men are about to face off. So at this point, yeah, it's, it's a brawl. I mean, it's just what it comes down to. But you see Doctor Strange go, I don't, I feel like something's... And so while you see him struggling with his mind and holding his head, everybody else starts uh, taking each other out. So you have Storm and Wonder Woman facing off once again. And Storm says, I had no wish to fight you then, and I do not wish to fight you now. And then you have uh, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, facing off against Iceman. He says, so what are you called? Frosty? Iceman? Hey, got it right the second time around. Uh, Aquaman is facing off against Cannonball, and you have Bishop versus the Martian Manhunter, and Flash basically just grabs Jubilee thinking he can, he says, who are these guys bringing a teenage girl into the middle of this mess? Did it maybe occur to you that I brought them here? Jerk. Anyway, so Dr. Strange passes out in the battle and he says, I can feel something trying to No, you were. So now access is trying to figure out what is going on. What is happening here? So the battle continues. It spills out onto the street so now you have Cannonball fighting Aquaman in the middle, and his girlfriend, Access's girlfriend, Ming, walks by. So now he's trying to protect her, and she's seeing all the madness that's happening. And he's just like, you gotta go. And she's like, why are you wearing that costume? Just go, please. The battles continue until, I mean, I mean again, it's just kind of what you would expect. You know, nobody's really getting the upper hand. It's back and forth. It's fair, and it's... Uh, it's what you would imagine it would be. But the one thing that's kind of cool is that Bishop absorbs the Green Lantern ring energy and blasts it back at Kyle, which is kind of neat. So that's just a, a way to go. Uh, but everybody stops because they, they see Dr. Uh, Strange uh, may not be only Dr. Strange now, because all of a sudden they freeze. And it's a really cool, how many panels is this? Oh, there's like 16 panels here. And you see every character like, what is happening? What is happening? And Access just says, it's him, Doctor Strange Fate. Now, if you'll recall, Ron Mars wrote the Doctor Strange Fate issue of the Amalgam set. And uh, his favorite character of that, of course, is Doctor Strange Fate. So he fought to write him and he's bringing him back here as the big bad once again. So he tells him that he was, in fact, hiding inside the back of Dr. Strange's mind. And so he says, what's happening is the rebirth of the universe I failed once to preserve. I won't fail again. I clung to a shadow existence within the sorcerer until I had strength and opportunity to banish him and take physical form. Now, nothing any of you can do will stop me. I will reshape this world, this universe, starting here. So he says uh, to Aurora Monroe, Storm, and Wonder Woman, he says, my building blocks arrive. You will be the first of my agents. Let the two become one. Behold, Amazon. So he starts trying to combine the characters. So now you have uh, Amazon punching Superman because she's pretty strong. But then all of a sudden, Superman and Bishop are combined. 
Now, they do not give him a name, but it's basically the Superman costume, but he's got Bishop's goatee, and the S shield is the same shape, but it's an M instead of an S, and his trunks are yellow instead of red. So those are the main differences. And it looks like he could be, uh, you know, kind of a mixed race uh, at this point. It's kind of hard to say because the character's in shadow. But then he merges everybody else. Again, we don't get names for them. I'd be very curious. Maybe we'll post this to social media. You guys could do it. But you have Jubilee and Batman become Bat- a Batgirl, basically. You have Green Lantern and Cyclops combined. But honestly, it is a terrible redesign because it's just Cyclops' costume. But the, you know, the little connection of his, what do you call those? Just those straps that Jim Lee designed instead of an X, it's the Green Lantern symbol. And then he's just got hints of green around his outfit. But it's really, it's green and gold and it doesn't look great. But uh, Jean Grey and Martian Manhunter looks awesome. Like it's just a female Martian Manhunter, but it, it looks really cool. Then you see Cannonball and the Flash combined. Again, it's just like, ah, why would you do that? I guess it could be cool, but it's just Flash with no full head, hood, and long hair. Uh, and then you have Iceman and Aquaman, which is cool. Ice Aquaman? That's, I mean, that's a great design. So anyway, they end up going into uh, a dark dimension or whatever Doctor Strange calls it. You know, just one of those weird realms where everything is just off and floating and stuff so access gets banished there and he has to fight one of the mindless ones and try to get out uh but he finds dr strange's astral form trapped there so he basically you know they have a long conversation of what could we do what could the possible you know option be to stop dr strange fate and access is able to release dr strange bring him through a portal And he says, you've stolen my body, my house, my friends, my universe. I want them back. Your puppets are of no consequence to me. So he starts doing a spell that is blasting all the amalgamated Justice League and X-Men heroes. And so Dr. Shange finally says, come then, because I'm twice the mystic you are. You're a sham with no place in this reality. And so I seek to make my own. Is that such a crime to want to be an entire universe to be again? When the price is the elimination of two universes, yes, the order and the balance will be restored. No, I only wanted to live. Why? Why must you do this? Please spare me. Spare my universe. Ah! Strange fate lives. Strange fate's amalgam universe lives, complete in every way and completely contained. So that's what you see is that inside this glowing green orb, Doctor Strange has contained the Evolved Universe. It has been preserved. Yes, it exists. It will never be destroyed. It is, it is what it needs to be, right? So that is awesome because, of course, after this, then they do another round of Amalgam books. So that just makes me very happy that they put that in there for the hope of what is to come. Now we have to get the X-Men back to the mansion, and we have to get the JLA back to the DC Universe. So... Basically, Superman and Cyclops shake hands, and Superman says, let's make sure it stays that way. Sorry for the misunderstanding. Uh, Cyclops, isn't it? It is. And apologies from the X-Men as well. I hope we meet under better circumstances next time. So they all head out, and Ming and Access go on their date, and everything is right with the world and the universe again. 
And so Axis' final thoughts are, so that's pretty much it. This time it really is over. Everything's back to the way it usually is, but I've got a feeling it won't stay like this forever. And to tell you the truth, I can't wait to see what happens next. And neither can we, Axel. Neither can we, Ron Mars. So thank you for putting that in there. But yes, DC Marvel All Access, there are a lot of great things that I had to just jump over in terms of action and fun beats. So if you can find a copy of these issues, like it's been said, these were not ever collected in a trade. They probably never will, will be again. So uh, you've gotten a taste. And if you want more, go find them because they're a ton of fun. All right, let's get on to our last segment here. All right, now it's time to close out with our Mort of the Month. Now, I'm kind of curious about their decisions of Mort's lately, uh, but I don't, I don't know this character, so I'm going to see if they give us some details. This time around, the Mort of the Month is Roy Raymond. TV detective, quote, I'm Roy Raymond, TV detective, end quote. You know, I feel like I'm trapped in a weird comic book version of MST3K, forced to dig through old comics for the worst ideas to ever be crapped onto the comics page. I don't even have any robot buddies. Anyway, the old TV detective's claim to fame was his impossible but true TV show, where he exposed wannabe psychics, adventures, and the like as frauds. And that's it. No power ring, no super speed, no monkey sidekick. A guy, his bad tie, dozens of home viewers. TV detective. I, what I want to know is, was this its own ongoing title? Like, was this a book that existed? Or was this just like a character in someone else's book that appeared once? That they, I wish they would give a little bit more history sometimes about the character. But I know they only had so much space to do that. But I mean, honestly, he just looks like a generic character. Like, uh, almost if you would just say, okay... He looks like Jay Garrick Flash with a pipe that he's smoking, you know, and a, a sport coat on. So that's basically the, the style of character for this part of the month. But guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode. You know, uh, like I say, this is a, a spur of the moment. We had to get it out somehow to you. This is what I want to tell you about, though. So I promised that you would get a chance to win a copy of Heroes Reborn Half, okay? Because that was covered in this issue that there was Heroes Reborn to be discussed, but also there was the Heroes Reborn Half issue that you could order. We happen to have an extra copy. I would like you to have it in your collection if you truly want it. Honestly, one is more than enough for me. <laughs> so uh, how are you going to win it? Well, what I want to do, I think at some point, you know, Michael and I deserve to have a superhero persona, right? I feel like if there was a pocket universe where we were banished to and we got to be superheroes, we need a superhero name. So we want you, I will post this to social media as well, but you can send it in to at, uh, wizardscomicspod at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at wizardscomics or at wizards underscore comics on Instagram. But give us your idea for a superhero name for Michael and I, and we will look it over. We will each choose the one that we think is either the funniest or the coolest. Yeah, we're cool, guys. You want to give us a cool name, right? Uh, but something along those lines, uh, you know, extra credit if you want to draw a picture or if you want to describe why uh, that was the reasoning, you know, the, the name itself, what you think our powers would be in that universe uh, could improve your chances to win. And then I will just 
mix up all the names in a hat, and we will announce that uh, on the next episode or just on social media somewhere. We're going to tell you, okay? If you're the winner, we're going to let you know. We're going to let everybody else know. Like I say, we're kind of in a state of flux right now. So that's the contest. Stay tuned. But here's the thing, guys. I don't have a computer to plug my my uh, microphone into and record. I can't edit the shows. That's why this is unplugged. It's just like, take it as it is. Michael's helping me get it out there. I'm sending him the file. Uh, so soon enough, we will be back to the normal format. But in the meantime, we had two special issues that we have been holding on to, two bonus editions of Wizard Magazine. The first is the Wolverine tribute special, all about Wolverine. But what we figured is, Everybody knows about Wolverine. And in fact, there are so many more Wolverine specials to come that we figured, you know, it's not the late enough in the history for there to be stuff to discuss yet. So why not have a discussion with you? Why not have a very fun live Zoom chat, which we will record and release as an episode about the Wolverine Tribute Edition? It's just going to be open to anybody that wants to be a part of it. So again, DM us on social media, or you can send an email request to wizardscomicspod at gmail.com and then tell us that you want to be a part of the Zoom meeting. We will give you the date soon enough. We will post about it and you can find that out. But we just want to give you a heads up that if you just know that, you know, regardless, you want to be there, then you can send that in. We're going to do the same thing for the Jim Lee tribute special. Let's just have a big, fun conversation. Let everybody know, because we're going to need a couple weeks <laughs> to get my computer set up, to get old episodes edited that were in the can and some interviews re-recorded, unfortunately. Yes. So we lost some things. Maybe we're going to get them back. We don't know for sure. Michael's got the uh, plan for data recovery. He is uh, a whiz with the electronics. So either way, those are two exciting things we want you to look forward to. So stay tuned to social media so that you get all the details. And like I say, if you just know you want to be in on the ground floor, yes, sign me up and contact us. We'll look forward to chatting with you then. Of course, if you have time, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just share. Tell people why you're enjoying the show. I mean, honestly, it's fantastic to see how many new people find us each and every week. Uh, we love talking 90s comics and just the fun of Wizard Magazine, the ups and the downs, the highs and the groans. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I hope you enjoyed Wizards Half Unplugged. And uh, until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded.